Welcome to High ISO, the photography and business podcast. Where we talk about life as a professional photographer. I'm Robert Hall, an editorial photographer from Michigan. And I'm Justin Haugen, a wedding and portrait photographer from Arizona. What have you been up to, man? Uh, just hustling like always. We about in LeBook uh, yesterday. Do you guys know what LeBook is? Mm-hmm. So LeBook is a, um, do you guys know what Workbook is too or no? Uh. So Workbook and LeBook are places where you could market um, for photographers, like you pay and you have your work there. And uh, the old school form of it is that they used to have an actual physical book that they would add to, uh, pass around to ad agencies. And they would look at the works and that's how they would find photographers. But now they have like events. And the events are pretty cool because um, they have all the agents there with showing, showcasing the work. And then they have the jurors and the jurors are actually like brands. And people, they come and check out the work and that's how they discover talent. Yeah. Do a lot of people go to that? Is it a big event now? Well, no, it's more, it's pretty cur- curated. So uh, like the photographers can't go there on their own. Like oh. the reps have to go, like their, their agents. Oh, so it's only agents then. So I mean, how many people in that room then, like agent wise? God, I should know because I had the, the whole list and everything. I want to say probably like 16. 16 or so and they're all huge like reps though yeah because and so you've been uh have you been submitting work into that field for a while now well, I have, been I know getting the in there person that runs i have a relationship with the person who runs the book and i was working with them uh-huh so um i uh that's what i was doing yesterday yeah have you pulled clients from that uh yeah that was a great yeah great connection so because i got to work with them so all those reps are there for that in like for that meeting face to face with those brands, yeah, um, and, and I was able to kind of bypass it and just get it directly working with the book. So <laughs> oh, that's cool. What are some like what are some of the clients you pulled from there? Like any? Ones uh, that well, you this talk is for about? sure. I did that, but like all the brands that have there are people that work with Nike, um, like uh, even brands that I don't really get direct with, like Sephora, they this lipstick, and like all like agencies over there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Adidas, Asics, and all that stuff. So you want to get that relationship and face to face meeting. I, I just want to like go off your like like. From the top, because people like we will have introduced you when we go on the sh- on the, do the show um, show notes and stuff later. So we're not introducing you now. But what are some of the clients you've you've booked over the years? And like, what's your story in photography? Like, when did you begin, and how did you start booking those kind of clients? Well, uh, okay, that's a Long how do you story? want to start? How did yeah, I we start? got time. No. We got time. All how right. did I start? Or like the let's go. Let, like, let's go. Okay, let's start with like some of your like the who's who of your client list. Like your some of your top like your maybe your My top five, top ten. Dream one that I got was HBO, and that one took me like two years to get relentlessly. I've done Sports Illustrated. Uh, Getty did a shoot for Nike, uh, New York Times, LA Times, um, and those are some of the, the the bigger ones that I think people would know. Yeah. So, and you've been shooting for how long now? Um, fifteen years now. Yeah, since two thousand and five. When, you, when did you start getting paid? Two thousand and six. Uh, that's when I shot my first wedding. Mm-hmm. On, on on my own. Yeah. On there, like that. So if you want to count on that. How'd you make that kind of transition or when did you identify like maybe weddings weren't it and kind of went into the more commercial sports field? That was, I want to say probably the training point for that was probably 2011 when I got into the Eddie Adams workshop. Um, and on that one, the Eddie Adams workshops, uh, for people who don't know, is a workshop that's free to attend. Uh, they take a hundred students a year based on, uh, based on the merit of your, of your portfolio of 20 images that you submit. And uh, uh, what it is is under they have uh, 10 teams 
uh, with 10 students each. And each team has a, um, an editor from a notable like uh, publication, like mine was in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. But they've had people there from like Getty, um, Nat-, Nat Geo, Time Magazine, like you, like you name it, they're there. And then a photographer, and usually it's like a big name photographer. Uh, like I had Al Bello in mind. Um, and, uh, and that kind of just exp- is when I first kind of put my book together to show like people like that, my work. And then, um, for after that, a transition just kind of, just kind of got me geared towards that. Yeah. I thought, I thought you were going to say like 2006, I shot my first wedding and my last wedding. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, technically, I mean, I'll still shoot a wedding nowadays from time yeah. to time. If it's like someone that knows me and then, uh, um, I, uh, I mean, I'm pretty straightforward now about it. Cause it's so funny because I'm not chasing them. So if you want me to shoot a wedding, like is what it is, you know, eight, 8,500 yeah. like, for the day. If you want it cool. If not, then. That's fine. Yeah. And uh, when people take that, I'll, I'll do it if I'm available. Yeah. Do you feel because they're because they're fun now? Like you know what I mean? Because you don't have to do so many. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you feel rusty at all if there's like a time between weddings? Because like for me, weddings are like a mindset. Like I got to be like I'm in my groove like peak wedding season at the end of the wedding season because I'm I've been doing it. It's like it's but it's like a well-oiled machine. But when I feel like a lull, like a drop off in weddings, and it's, it's been like three months, it's like trying to start a rusty train to push up a really? hill. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Not for me. I um. I don't know. I find weddings. I mean, everything's relative, I guess. But I find one is pretty, pretty simple in there because it's like I photograph athletes that are don't want to be photographed, and you mm. only get like thirty seconds, and like you could get like the bravado thing on there with them, right? Um, and then, uh, uh, and then I deal with like boxers and boxer promoters and all that stuff. So it's like when you compare that to dealing with like a bride that's technically hiring you because she wants you there she doesn't stand a personally chance personally hiring you personally right. hiring you, yeah. yeah uh and that's the big thing personally because i've done uh, um one of the not the biggest things but it's like the biggest mismatch i had is uh um to make extra money on the side i was working with a colleague uh and just shoot weddings right like i wouldn't i wouldn't do any marketing on there they're like oh it's your free day like you know they paid me like five six hundred bucks to shoot the wedding but they would book everything. So, like, I would just literally shoot and then hand the cards over, mm-hmm. you know, which is pretty, pretty, you know, it could be pretty fun and it's, like, not a lot of work compared to, like, if you got to book the client, do all this shit, shooting and editing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem with that is, is, like, the key thing you said, when she hires you, like, right? So, there, when I did those, technically, I wasn't hired, right? Mm-hmm. They hired him and he kind of had, like, that thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, that was the one that I had to disconnect that, that, uh, that, bride was just a gigantic pain like she just treated people like servants mm-hmm. and i just like because I, I know for a fact if that would have been me like i would not have taken that wedding or that client yeah. even if she booked my highest package or i would have invented like a higher end one or added fees to it yeah uh, to do it like because you could re- tell right off the bat when you meet with a couple like their Your chemistry fate. if they're gonna hit off right off the bat they're gonna be difficult to work with sure yeah, um, i've always said that i look for clients who are excited to get married not excited to have a wedding that's, that's another thing. It's a huge key for me in, in knowing that I, I'm really going to identify well and the day's going to go smooth. Like, it starts right there. If, if they're excited about marrying each other, we're going to have a great time. If yeah. we get caught up in, like, the size of, uh, you know, the centerpieces and, and that's, like, the focus of the day, I'm so excited for what my flowers are going to look like. I'm like, uh, might not be the best fit. That's a great point. Uh, look at it. Yeah. Uh, my whole thing, too, is with thing is, like, I just... Um, I don't know. I, I think for me, I almost see it as like it's almost depressing when people like in general um, and, and I guess like, you know, for like the, like women in general, they say, oh, the wedding day is going to be the biggest day of my life. And, and I'm thinking that's just so sad. I'm like, let's just it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you should be looking forward to the next 30, 40, 50, 60 years together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not one day. You right. know what I mean? What are we going to experience in totality yeah. right, with this person as opposed to like just this one day? 
But what what's more what has what's more um, high pressure than a wedding with somebody like that who's got a tough, difficult personality, or thirty seconds with an athlete that doesn't want to be photographed? You know, it's it's so funny you ask it because they have their pros and their cons. Yeah. So I almost want to say almost balance each other out because an athlete, right, that doesn't want to be photographed that long, or sometimes when you only have like two or three minutes, they could make you look really good for a number of things. Number one, they know what they're doing really good in front of uh, like in front of the camera, really well at it because they've been photographed so much. Um, and then if it's a big personality, it's just like what, like you know what I mean? Like that in itself could make a picture, and like your lighting doesn't have to be as strong. Yeah. Uh, whereas a, a, a bride or someone that's not used to being photographed, like you kind of got to bring your A game, like because they're, they're not going to lift you up. Um, and doing that, but then itself, the the wedding day is it's crazy. Yeah. So um, I, I have their pros and their cons, but I, I would I would say I, a wedding is not that difficult on their. Okay. Uh, not not not. I'm mean, uh, sorry, not that difficult. <laughs> but I would say comparative though, because like, the last yeah. year that I did uh, was the most difficult one. I had to do a group portrait, and I only had like. 20 seconds to do it and it was like a big report it was like it was for hbo uh-huh. it was it was with um like a bunch of a-listers and i had to do it fast and i had like i couldn't pre i couldn't pre-light it because it was yeah. done on set when they were filming yeah so i couldn't plug any lights yes. in or do anything right so when it was my turn to go i literally had to set up the light uh while you know they told me it was time to go and so i had to be efficient and quick and get it done and wow. then uh yeah it was um What's, what cast the, the show was that? What show it was, was that? Uh, the shop for HBO. Oh, okay. And so how many? How, how big was that group photo? I, I want to say it was like nine people or nine something people. like that. It was LeBron James. It was um, Ice Cube, um, Mary J. Blige, Nas, um, uh, Bosch, the basketball player, mm-hmm. uh, Chris, Chris Bosch, Bosch yeah. um, uh, Jimmy Kimmel was there, and uh, two other people. I can't forget. I yeah. forget their names. Yeah. And it is so random that it's like that level of talent in the room and they're giving you that little yeah, amount of so resources a lot, what a lot of people um and i was trying to be transparent about this when i when i speak because i know a lot of photographers when they speak here in conferences they uh they in my opinion a lot of them over glamorize things mm-hmm. right and um i i, I t- uh, from my experience so i can't tell you like that's how it is for everybody because maybe other photographers get treated a lot better than i do yeah <laughs> but but from my experience photos are generally an afterthought on everything else like that day for that shoot for HBO, like they they flew me down there, right, for that shoot. And the director didn't even know I was, I was there till I arrived. Wow. Right? Oh, God. So I'm like sure that's he was happy. They, they do it. Yeah. And then it's, cause it's like a new, I've directed stuff before. And like you got a million things to worry about and a tight schedule. And like it, it's just like directing is a whole different beast. And then so you're basically secondary to that. And um, it's uh, that that in itself, like you pretty much have to be humble, leave your ego at the door, and like um, and make it work, and do the best you can. Uh, not your set, huh? It's not your set. <laughs> it's, it's, technically, it's not. Um, and you just got to be thankful for the talent and get their time and, and get stuff done. Yeah. I mean, that's how it is. So things like 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 video uh, production always takes precedent over photo, and it makes sense. For example, when I shot Steph Curry, uh, over two days, I had maybe like twelve minutes with him. And that's because it was a full-blown production with an entire crew, right? And videos. And I was doing unit photography and then the marketing portraits, right? So when you have a, so a lot of things that photographers don't realize, right? When they say, oh, you only got like so-and-so like with somebody. Like when you have a full-blown video production, right? On that one, they had a cinematographer and they had like, I think, nine cameras rolling on that one. So nine camera operators and each camera had a focus puller. So that tells you that thing. Then they have a grip, a, you know, a gaffer. They have a best boy, like everything, right? So yeah. full-blown crew. I want to say maybe like, like 
It's not probably like 60 people at oh least. Oh my That's a full bro. Because then, then you got catering too. You have the person who caters all at lunchtime. So like, if you, if you do the math and all of that, right? And this is why photo, rightfully so, gets like only that little bit amount of time. Because um, just people in general, like in the industry, even like people that want to be cinematographers don't think about this. When you have, let's say, a crew of, let's say, 50 people to round it off, like, right? And let's, let's just say, um, for simplicity's sake, each person is getting the day rate of $1,000 a day, mm-hmm. which is not. Some people are getting a lot more than that. Some people are getting less. Sure. But for the right, so like 50 times a, uh, 1000 a day, it's, it's uh, what's my math right here? That's 50000 That's 50000 mm-hmm. like, right? So you could do the math, like, right, on there, on how much it costs per minute, right? Sure. And that's just, that's just on the, that's just on the, um, that's just expense on the people you're hiring. That doesn't include the, the lenses you're using. Because mm-hmm. on that thing, they're using all airy cameras, like $50,000 lenses, and then plus catering and lunch and all that stuff, plus the venue itself sure. and all that, right? So like that could easily like go above 50000 But let's say it's 50000 right? You could do the math on how much that is per hour, mm-hmm. right? On a 10-hour day or 8-hour day. Mm-hmm. Right? You could do the math on how long it is per minute. Right, I've done that on some of those before, and per minute on some of them, it could be like easily like like the cost is like two to three hundred a minute. Yeah, I was gonna say just the example you shared was a hundred a minute. It's not, it, okay, so yeah. you're a lot better at math than I am, right? <laughs> so, and that's and that's like conservatively. Yeah. Right, that's a hundred a minute. So when you have the talent pulled away for photos, you have all those other people that that clock's still ticking and you're still paying them doing nothing. So that, that's why a lot of times those shoots and those sets like that, like you get your short on time, you got to be fishing, you got to be quick, you got to know what you're doing. Ten minutes of you is a thousand dollars in labor for everybody else just standing still. And concerned, that doesn't include the, the cost of the gear that yeah. and all that stuff. So right. uh, you got to think about that. So that's why you got to be quick, efficient on your stuff and, and doing that. So on, on that aspect, when I say you kind of got to be humble because that's on every scenario I've been, it's been like that. In my situation, right, and um, I, I mean, I don't I know some other photographers get <laughs> have big egos and sales mm-hmm. and that, but uh, yeah, and, and that's what you deal with, and you got to make it happen, and, and rightfully so. It's a lot of uh, pressure on there because it's like you don't want to take a long time because if you don't get, you don't want to cause overtime because then that's somebody else's, you know, uh, responsibility, and they're not going to be happy with you, and you probably won't get hired. So the more efficient you could be, the quicker you could get. How much sleep do you get? <laughs> that, uh, well, that's thing, I, not a lot because I, uh, I've always had trouble with sleeping. So, yeah. um, but it has nothing to do with that. I don't yeah, know why. It doesn't keep had... you up late at night. Otherwise, like not not any more than you already are. Yeah, but it's to the uh, like to a point now. Like I remember the most nerve wracking I've been for a photo shoot was when I photographed Floyd Mayweather, mm-hmm. and yeah. I had thirty seconds for yeah. that shoot. Um, and it was more because of his personality. Um, but uh, uh, after I did that shoot, like I just stopped getting nervous for anything, for public speaking, for shoots, and so I don't get nervous anymore. Yeah, the one guy could do the most damage to you, and you got through it. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, and uh, when were, it, were you nervous because of just stature of of Floyd? Oh no, not necessarily his stature of uh, he's he's got a pretty sporadic personality. Uh-huh. Like one second he'll be really cool, and then he could just do a one eighty real quick. So okay. you kind of don't know where you're gonna get, sure, or if they're gonna be cooperative or did not. Did you experience that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, I show the entire shoot from beginning to end when I talk. Uh, so, like, on the um, the way that shoot, like, I had everything stacked in my favor in that shoot. Like, the producer was kind enough to, like, introduce me to Floyd after, uh, before the shoot. And he introduced me. I was like, hey, Floyd, I want to introduce you to one of the best photographers I know. Uh, so I talked to him uh, for a little bit. And then uh, um, I just had a, uh, like, just it was just gifted, like, a way to connect with him. Because he did an interview uh, with Larry King, um, like, some years ago, like he, Larry King asked him, if you could fight anybody in the history of boxing, who would it be? And Floyd responded, Alexis Arroyo. Um, that's what I'm named after. And that's why I have a tattoo of him right here. The oh. boxer right here, right? So I, uh, uh, I, that's what I talked to Floyd about, right? 
So I was like, oh, man, I appreciate you said that. And I was like, I'm from Nick Rowe, where he's from, I'm actually named after him. So that's a way to connect with him yeah. a little bit, right? So I had that to talk with him, which was just, just like a blessed, you know, it's just fortunate. Just a little snippet yeah. of info. Right. Like, how many people remember that interview, you know? Yeah, and uh, um, and so anyhow, we go on break, and then uh, you do the stills, uh, not not on break, but he went to his film no commercial. It was when he was fighting Pacquiao. Yeah. And then uh, um, you get to photograph him in between those breaks, right? So um, in between those breaks, the producer was like, oh, are you ready to do the photos? And I was like, yeah. He goes, Floyd, we got to go do the photos. And he gets up, and he goes, all right, cool, let's go knock him out. And I'm like, all right, cool, like because he seemed enthusiastic. Yeah. By the time he said that, by the time he went a little around where I had my set, he was like, hey, how long is this going to take? I was like, oh, it won't take that long. And then, like, like if you see it, it was just yeah. 30 seconds. So, you know, from there to there and just, just switch like that. Flipped. So, yeah. so you, you got to, like, document the BTS on that? Like, you got to have... Somebody it. with their phone uh, did it, yeah. Okay, and, and then, like, what's the rights usage to something like that? Anything do, do they... is buy... They're all buyouts. If you shoot for a network, generally it's a buyout. For, like, HBO, anything oh, Okay, I so do. you had to buy that out. No, no, no oh. I, they, they buy it out. Like, like, I don't own it. It's a work for hire. Okay, so like you're able to show though that that process, like that video, to people when well, you Well, because somebody else shot that, not me. Gotcha. Okay. It's a random person, so it's like anything I do is not mine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm just curious because it seems like it'd be a murky waters for rights and usage. Like, I, I mean, just well, I'm not selling the me. BTS. Yeah, yeah, not either, selling so, it, but like yeah. to show it, I'm, I'm just curious. Like, you know, I imagine you sign NDAs and all that stuff no. too. No. No NDAs. It's work for hire. It's work for hire. That's oh, it. So okay. I was like, oh, I guess so, I mean, the, work, I the work is in the public sphere, so I, I guess so. for what I shoot, and then yeah. what I show with that one is the tear sheets SI showed because they're cool in there. So what I did after that, even those work for hire, it's another thing I talk about too, like um, just because it's work for hire, uh, I don't own it, but I can still market it. Mm. So what I did is I marked the e-blasted to all the magazines and everyone I knew. Yeah. And uh, uh, nobody responded, right? And I'm like, okay, whatever, right? Um, and then a month later, I get an email from SI, Sports Illustrated, and they were like, hey, um, like we're working on our issue for that fight. Uh, can we see the entire take of that, of that shoot? First thing that came to my mind, I was like, oh, you motherfucker, you did see my email, right? You just didn't respond to it, right? Because uh, I think one of the most disheartening things when you're trying to get clients like that or, or build this relationship, but you don't get a response, is like the most disheartening thing. Yeah. Um, but like people are busy and they're not going to respond to you until they need something, sure. right? So um, I showed them the whole take, which was only like eight pictures because it was only 30 seconds. But um, I'm really quick now of getting stuff that's usable for that. And then... Um, they wanted to use two of them for the spread, so I had to tell them, like, I don't know those images. You have to get them through HBO. Mm -hmm. um, and they worked it out, and they got it through HBO, and then I got the two-page oh, spread cool. on there. Which, uh, in turn, for me, is just more marketing. Because yeah. I can take the spread and then, boom, show it. And sure. to show, oh, I got published in SI. So, so, did, so SI doesn't pay, get to pay you for those images that you have to no, buy no, no, from HBO? And then not at all. I couldn't even send them the images. Gotcha. I mean, I sent them low-res so they could see the whole take. Yeah. But for the final ones, I have to say, no, uh, HBO owns them. You got to get them through HBO, and they connect it with them that. God, this is the whole world of our industry that I, I feel like I'm so far removed from anything like that in my mm -hmm. own work, or that I'll even get anything close to like that that kind of uh, Why profile is that? work. Oh, just for, uh, location. You know where I'm at, like being in Tucson, Arizona. Like, like I was actually thinking, like when you're talking about the workbook thing, um, that I, well, we don't even have access to that type of connection and connecting with uh, people in the world. Like, I'd have to go to. Was that in San Francisco? Yeah, they, I, I'd have to go there. You know. Yeah. They, well, they they the little book they hope they hosted mm -hmm. it in New York, LA, San Francisco. They have one in Atlanta. Um, and they have them all over, not all over, but the major cities. Yeah, maybe there's something like that in Phoenix, so maybe. But like, you know, I'm, I'm in Tucson, Arizona. I'm, I'm a million people, greater area um, population, like 600,000 in the most concentrated area, you know? But, but you, could, um, you could still market for those clients. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, you yeah. and gun after them. So yeah. it's like, I just, you know, I've just never think like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, well, I've never, I mean? I've never, I mean, yeah. I've never thought like you, like yeah. I've never thought of <clears throat> stepping outside of my, uh, my, you know, my box and like where my bubble is, you know, it's, it's, 
closer to me, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, not to say that I couldn't or I wouldn't or I couldn't, like, pursue that avenue of work, but uh, the scale of my productions, you know, the access to that kind of clientele, like, it's, it's I think sometimes it's geo-dependent. It doesn't matter where you're at in the, in the country. And I think I've seen people who have left, you know, Tucson to go do other things. Like, one of my friends, uh, they're really close with the Kevin Hart's photographer who's on, on team with him, like, all the time, photographing everything in his life. All, like, it's a full-time job. Yeah. Like, I left Tucson to go do that. You couldn't do that from Tucson. You know? Well, I mean, yeah, if you're yeah. someone's photographer, yeah, yeah I'm just saying like, the opportunity yeah. and access. Uh, it, it sometimes some of the stuff isn't as um, sort of uh, approachable as it is for somebody who lives in a bigger city. You know. Well, that's the thing. Well, I mean, I, I live an hour removed from San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. An hour, but like the, the biggest thing is just like what I do though. I do go to New York at least once a year, if not mm-hmm. twice. I go to LA too regularly as well. So like you, you do got to get out there and show your work yeah. and meet those people in general because it's like um, the face to face meeting is so huge. Because uh, they get to see you and they get to see your work. Hopefully that's relevant. And uh, you got to be prolific on staying in touch and following up. That's the thing. That's where a lot of people fall. Yeah. Fall oh, I'm sure you're a major marketer compared to I'm a, I'm a work in progress in that. Yeah. yeah. I have actually a question. If we're going back to where you said there was a turning point and the, the workshop, because this is kind of like something I'm in front of now. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of building your first book, whether it would be to get that opportunity for that workshop or your initial clients, where you're... You're punching up, so to speak, right? You're trying to, you're preparing a book to get clients at a new level. What are you showing? Are, are, and specifically, are you designing your own shoots to show yeah. what you want? So, I mean, I'm doing that right now. That's always something you should do. Like, so that, um, I'm trying to think on that initial book that I shot. I think it was probably all personal work um, that I shot on that, like that, because a lot of the portraits I were personal. I love hearing that right now. And all then, personal. Um, That's great. I'm, I'm getting. I'm trying to get into directing. Well, I'm not trying. I'm getting into directing, and um, I don't know if you guys seen the work I did with the ballerina, like a short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's 100 oh, yeah. personal work. So one of the things I say when I talk is always shoot for the jobs you want, not the ones you're getting. Because uh, it's like, like, like I said earlier, I still shoot a wedding. I shot a wedding in the end of January. Okay. Right, but I'm not going to show that work. It's, the, it's not relevant, right? Yeah. Um, and the. My everyone that's on my feet that knows me doesn't care about that, right? If I shoot a headshot, right, that's great. No one cares about it. I'm not going to show that, right? Even though I could pay bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just show, you curate your work and you show for the jobs you want to get hired for. And I always say shoot for the jobs that that um that you want, not the ones you're getting. If mm-hmm. you're if you're not happy with what you're getting, yeah. you yeah. know what I mean. Like, right now, I'm doing a bunch of editorial work for a university, mm-hmm. and I really enjoy the scope of the work. But in terms of dream job, I want to be more focused on. Adventure, sports, outdoors, outdoor, even like retail, like if it was clothing brands, outdoors yeah. and stuff. That's I, I just so want that's advertising work. You want yeah. to do more commercial work? Yes. Yeah. Um, and I want to do it more of, you know, I just want it to be focused outdoors. Yep. So I'm kind of like looking at, okay, I need to start, I need to start setting that stuff up on my own. Yeah, you do. And, and just making it happen because just having the skills, displaying the skills in a different environment isn't going to be good enough. What I like to say, uh, this business is real literal. Mm-hmm. Like you can't uh, tell people what you want to do. You have to show it to them. Sure. Like for the directing thing that I've done, like the, the, I've done like four projects and I need to do a lot more actually. Um, like no one's going to say, oh, Alexis, you want to direct. You know, it's okay. We'll give you a job. Like no, you have to show them you could do the whole thing together. And that involves, uh, I mean, I was talking to someone about this in the conference before. Um, and at the, the one I was in Arizona, the dance photography conference mm-hmm. that I was telling you about. Um, uh because I was talking about my personal experience, and then I talked to another photographer, and she was telling me how she wants to direct and do video, all this and that. And um, I, I, I just spoke to her because I was like, it took me so long into directing because of um, 
all the excuses and bullshit I was saying, like, oh, oh, I love to direct or do video, but I don't know an editor and I don't know a colorist, right? Um, until I call myself out on that bullshit, right? Which is fine if you don't know one, like, right, you got two options. You can either hire one or pay one, which I don't have deep pockets for, or you can just suck it up and like learn how to edit and learn how to color. And mm -hmm. that's what I did, right? Until I stopped making those excuses and you got to put in the goddamn work, right? Yeah. No one's going to take you serious unless you've done something serious, right? So it's like, um, for directing for me, right? No one's gonna say, oh, like, uh, oh, I wanna direct, but you know, Rob, but I don't know an editor and I don't know a colorist, so that, that's why I don't have anything to show, right? That's someone that doesn't get stuff done. That's someone that makes excuses, Yeah. right? So until like, oh, Rob, I wanna direct, here's three projects that I did and then here's two more I got in the works, right? You show the complete completed projects, then you get taken more serious. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, and, and that's the approach you gotta take to directing and, and, uh, or the jobs you wanna get, right? Yeah. You say you wanna shoot that, literally pretend you had that, that dream shoot already, hire the talent uh or not the hire i mean i don't necessarily hire people on that like there's ways like if if you if when i do a personal shoot i try to set it all up so i make people feel dumb not to say no or be part of it sure and that's how i've been able to get makeup artists and stylists to work with me and my experience with those is the ones that have been really experienced and successful see the uh everything that you put in uh, hopefully if they like your work if it's of a good quality and they want to be part <coughs> of it the ones that are not that experienced that are usually newer and stuff like that, I say, oh, I gotta be paid. Oh, you gotta pay my kids for it, all like that. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool, no, so that's yeah. fine. And I just find that ironic on that 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 um, that dynamic. Usually the experienced ones, like, oh, this is what I could contribute to the shoot. Sure. And what I wanna do, and like the least experienced ones, like, oh, well, you need to pay, I only do. And I'm like, okay, dude, I'm not gonna pay you. Cause it's like, anyone that's smart, like a makeup artist or talent or whatever, knows that any money it should be pouring in is, is for something you can't that you can't pay for money like right which is the production value yeah of the you shit. can't buy it right yeah, sorry that you can't buy it. Yeah, yeah um and like that and if like a makeup artist wants a uh you know 150 dollar kit fee or something like that, it might seem my new and, and that's the point it is my new like it's so small like if you don't care about this product enough to put that into it then you shouldn't be part of it because you know what i mean You're yeah gonna, you don't uh, see the value it's lost on you so move on yeah and i've had a um i've learned the hard way of working with people like that because it's like They'll, if they if they complain about a little hundred and fifty dollar kit fee, when if this, if you go on the shoot and you're taking off, you're, they're gonna complain about something else. Well, then I'm gonna need another fifty dollars for this, uh, and, and that's happened to me, right? And, mm -hmm. and like usually, like you gotta trust your gut instinct, and if someone's like that from the beginning, just cut them like, or move on. You're better off with nobody on that, than, than sure. that person. Mm -hmm. But uh, that, that's how we get that commercial work. If you just set that shoot up, try to get talent, and then be aware of the person you're photographing. Uh, if they supposed to be like running you know, gear or whatever you want to photograph, that they look like a runner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and that's, yeah you got to make it as authentic as possible. Yeah, that's something sure. a lot of people overlook too. Sure. Stuff like that. They just so, get anybody and they're like, oh, who can fill in? Yeah. Uh, they don't put criteria on it. Yeah, exactly. Like for direct, like I want to eventually get to directing outside of sports. Mm -hmm. um, but like I don't have anything to show for that. But like, uh, but I do know a lot of athletes, right? And then the athletes that I've been doing the video with are ballerinas and boxers, right? They're not actors, but they're amazing performers. Sure. Right? Like ballerinas and they take direction well. So that like makes your work look that much better. Whereas if I went straight with actors and I don't have that, I could potentially get I know I could get actors, right? But I think it'd be a crapshoot on the quality of actors I could get, mm -hmm. you know, if I'm not, not paying them. So Yeah, I'm doing uh, working at that university, I'm finding my favorite shoots are MTD department, music, theater and dance. Yeah. That group and athletes. Like yeah. because it's yeah. just anybody who's used to performing so much more open in front of the camera, so much more you know, malleable, open to suggestions, willing to go deep with the shoot. So um, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting resource like working with them versus like 
you know, any other faculty member. Not to say that it's negative, but like they're just far less open. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like they said, uh, you know, they say directing is 90% of the casting. Mm-hmm. I think that applies for photography too. Like if you photograph someone into, and I think that also says um, a lot about you as a photographer that a lot of people don't um, pay attention to. Who is in front of your lens and that you show? It's just as important as all the lighting and the camera and all that stuff, or more important than that. Probably, yeah, you know, I think I mean? I, it's a lot more important. And people don't don't never talk about that or realize that. Like, because other people like say, "Oh, Alexis, I thought those you shot that just because they just because there's an athlete in the shot with blue gel." I'm like thinking, like, no, I would never photograph someone like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not that I think I'm better than, but for like a personal project or work that I would show, I'm like really selective about that. Yeah. When it's not paid work for personal work. That's probably smart to be. I mean, I think the personality is the probably most prominent part of the photograph. Is that my phone going off? Sorry about that. No, no worries. But uh, no, I was talking to a colleague of mine, uh, Tommy Garcia, about this on, on the other day because it's like if you do personal work, uh, the most important thing, uh, if you have money, right? Let, let's just say you had five grand for a personal shoot. So literally the most important thing I would do if you could afford it would be like the art department. Um, that depends on what you're doing, right? If you're just doing art department means it's someone that's going to just where you're going to shoot at, how they make the set look, the props you're getting and all that stuff. If you have money for that, if you don't got money for that, for me personally, the next thing would be the lighting, right? And then after that, like those are things that you got to pay for is the talent that you're getting for. And then the last thing is like the camera and lenses, Mm -hmm. like, like literally like I'm I'm actually the next projects I'm working on that I'm excited for is uh, I'm shooting them with the little Canon uh, M6, the mirrorless one. Yeah. Yeah. That one with the gimbal and like some light motion lights. Um, they're little portable lights with uh, built-in that have 10,000 lumens. Okay. And I genuinely think that uh, uh, with like five, four or five of those lights and a little M6 and the gimbal, I could make it look like a whole production when, I, when I've shot with, because uh, I've done stuff before with uh, like a cinema, uh, with a C200, sure. with HMI lights, a gaffer and a cinematographer. So I know where you're, and then I shoot it with my SLR and, and I've done stuff with that. And I'm, I'm pretty certain with the M6, uh, well, that's what I'm excited for. I want to see it. What's the most I could do with as little as possible sure, on my okay. own? So I was going to ask, like, why are you doing that? Is there, is there like, is it to prove something? It's not to prove anything. Or is, not it, to, is it a brand relationship that you're trying to? No, it's not. It's not into? to prove anything to anyone. It's to, um, to number one, get the work done. Yeah. Because uh, like one of the things that I do like about still photography is that uh, on my own, I know lighting I could do a lot of looks and I could make it look like a huge production. But when it, when it comes to video, when you start dealing with the cinematographer and you have a graphic and you have a grip. I like to describe that as like um, the way that, that the speed that moves, if you want to like change and be creative, it's like when there's a long line and a traffic stop and the light turns green, right? It takes like, you know, three minutes for the car in the back to start moving like that. That's the pace of like a bigger production with big people. Uh, well, not with, with a lot of people, right? Uh, on, a, on a smaller scale like that, I, I think um, if it's just you, right? I don't have to storyboard. I don't have to explain it to everything. I could do that. And if that, go. something happens, right? I could change it on the fly. I could do in photo shoots. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's one, uh, two, and number two, uh, I, I genuinely think that uh, it's a diminishing return shooting on red cameras, um, RA cameras with really expensive glass. Yeah, uh, there, there's a huge diminishing return, I think, to a certain point these nowadays, because the smaller cameras are just so good. That is there a difference if you're shooting raw and red on there? Yeah, there is, but like 99% of the people are not seeing that on the AK display as calibrated. 99% of people are seeing that with YouTube compression on their phone yep. or on a 1080p monitor. That's a great right. point. Right? So it's like at that, at that point, like the difference is going to be so many. It's more, it's more important on, well, in my opinion, what's more important is um, clarity, knowing what you want to do. Um, that's why for video, I don't need to shoot raw if I know what I want. 
right? Because everybody just wants options and they think options are like luxury, like in the post. Like, oh, I want to shoot raw so I could change the ISO, I could change the color and blah, blah. I, no, dude, if I already know how I want it to, sh how it looks, I'm fine making that in, right? And mm -hmm. I 100% like, uh, like take it and it's just faster. Uh, so that that's the main thing. And then the other thing is just like, a, um, uh, like, let's get in the work down out there, right? If you could just like cut the workload down and everything, because shooting with a little camera like that, like an M6 that you're just shooting compressed video is not raw. Yeah. Like it's just on the back end, it's just everything a lot quicker. You can edit a lot quicker. You don't got to grade it if you're doing it all in camera. Because if you're shooting the, all that raw, like it's just terabytes of terabytes of footage and you got to back it up and then you take it to an editor. Like there's a, don't get me wrong, there's a, certainly a place for that. If you have a client sure. writing you a check for 100K a day, right? And then you can see production value, do by all means do that, right? Um, but if it's smaller jobs that you're doing for smaller brands or clients like, like, like that, like I'd like to get all that done because another thing while I'm doing this too is for every shoot now, uh, that's a personal shoot before. I just used to be happy if I got like a solid like five to ten images. Now, like I want to get a solid five to ten images. I want to get vertical motion posters, um, like a thirty-second spot, like a two-minute narrative, um, and uh, and fifteen-second like vertical uh, uh, videos too as well. Yeah, and it's interesting point talking about the gear and uh, baking in your settings. And uh, uh, there's some productions that use DSLRs uh, that made their way into cinema and you know TV and, and movies. Like I remember the show Wilfred on FX, uh, they were using D800Es, I think, and some video for some video work on those uh, yeah. on those films. That's not a raw raw format camera for no. video. House, and then, House uh, the show House yeah. used uh, 5D Mark II. Yeah, and, uh, and so, did, oh, uh, right. so did Iron Man. Tight space, Iron right? Man 2, I believe, used the 5D Mark IIs as well. Yeah. I, th I think if that timeline matches up, yeah. Iron Man Two, use, I remember them having some five D Mark Twos for some like, and, and they almost kind of use them as disposable cameras. They like, put it on this car, and we're gonna crash it. <laughs> and then also the Panasonic S One H is like the first uh, camera to get the distinction to actually be approved for Netflix. For so Netflix. We're like finally actually yeah. seeing acceptance rather than just like, oh, this is capable, where yeah. people are plugging it in because they have to. Now we're actually seeing some, you know, acceptance from the industry side of things. And also, the, a lot of things with Netflix, though, is um, that Netflix approval camera list. That's for or Netflix original content. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Not so, a doc. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, like, uh, if you make your little show, you can still submit it. Yeah. But, like, if, it, if it's produced by Netflix, mm -hmm. then it has to be, like, one mm -hmm. of those lists. Right. Yeah. But that's still, like, the, the barrier of entry now to have that, you know, be that accessible. The S1H is not an expensive camera. So, it's to, for that to be accepted for something like a Netflix original. Yeah. The, the M6. Mark II for Canon too. That was like uh, not not that expensive. I think that's like eight hundred bucks. I think or something yeah. like that. Um, uh, the lenses are expensive, but I, I um, another thing you're talking about. If I want to get affiliated with brands, um, the thing that jumped out at me with that one that got me excited that cameras because Sigma released a trio of one four lenses mm -hmm. that are pretty fast for that M6 Mark oh. II. Oh, they made them for that mount. Yeah. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. A trio of one four. Uh, so when I saw that, I'm actually working with those lenses. Because they're all one four, so that's pretty fast. So you could do a lot with not a lot of light mm -hmm. for video. Because your shutter speed is only a fiftieth of a second. Yeah. yeah, it's such a luxury in video. It feels like. Yeah, you need ND filters to right. cut out the light. Instead. Yeah, it's yeah. the complete opposite problem. In photo, you want more and more and more, and in video, you're like, ah, oh, get it away. It's too bright. Yeah, when it's outsourced, but for I usually yeah. light a lot of my stuff. But that's another thing, dude. I don't need dynamic range mm -hmm. when I'm lighting it. And then you're controlling all the exposures. Yeah, because so, you can choose exactly what you need. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're the dynamic range. <laughs> yeah, your decision making. You're setting all the ratios and everything. Yeah. It. you've talked a lot about high-profile clients that you've done work for. Do you have any cool stories 
about any of these people you've worked with? Yeah. Um, so, like, ironically, like, I would say a lot of the cool stories, looking back on it, hindsight on it, are usually, like, the most stressful and, and difficult ones. Because uh, uh, one of my favorite quotes is, smooth seas never made for a skilled sailor. <laughs> so, uh, which is 100% true. So, all the really rough, like, shoots that, like, you think, oh, man, like, I only have one minute. And, um, like, 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 I learned this the hard way, like, the first cover shoot I did for SI um i only had one minute with each player which was like really stressful i didn't know where it was going to be and i didn't know if i was gonna have power and then i'll be in outdoors in the middle of the sun in between the bathroom and the locker room right and then uh a lot of the players didn't want to be there because um well like they were that, that was the last photo shoot they were doing before going to the world cup which i thought was the coolest thing ever right because i was like oh i get to be the last person to it's the worst thing ever because they've already done like 20 like 12 shoots with all the other magazines that oh, was about time they get to you like they're over it not the same day but like throughout the weeks right um but uh, um what do you call it so like I, i'm thankful for those for being so difficult and because yeah. it just made me such a better more more person but like like to like really cool stories like uh like the opposite problem you know what i mean of like instead of having so little time like um one of the things I do with my shoots is I bring out my print books and like I, whether my hotel room, I bring out like uh, all my work as I can, as much as I can, right? I'll bring out my book, lay it out and show it to them in print. And then uh, for the Women's World Cup, Carly Lloyd like saw my book. Um, and uh, I was supposed to have 10 minutes for each of the players, which was plenty. Uh, and then she said, uh, oh, I really like the work that you do. I think it's great. And when it was my turn to photograph her. She gave me like thing over 30 minutes. Like right. I ran out of stuff to do with her. Nice. So uh, uh, I was like, damn. Uh, she was, was amazing. And uh, um, uh, some of the Olympic swimmers that I've met are amazing. One of them recommended me to one of their sponsors. Mm -hmm. So I got like a client through that too as well. So I came really, really awesome. So with athletes like that, I never gun for them like and try to get yeah. them to be their photographer. Um, I usually, if I shoot them or get access to them, try to go for their sponsors. That's where the, I think, you know. That's good advice. Yeah. So um, I have a little backstory. The only reason I even know Alexis is because uh, I fanboyed him so hard on F-Stoppers back when F-Stoppers was doing great content. And uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but, Ooh, shots uh, fired. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, like back when I was really into F-Stoppers and uh, Alexis um, had sh they'd shared an article on some work he did. I commented in the comment section. I followed your work. And I was just like, I was gassing this guy up. Like every time I'd see his stuff, I was like, man, this, this is ace. Like this is like, t you were, like you put some of the most memorable top-notch content onto F-Stoppers. Um, and I thought you deserved a lot more press for it because it was just, it was really cool stuff. But the one thing you did, I can't remember which team it was. You had limited time. Um, you used a mode in the Pro Photo triggers that allowed you to do like, was it three different light setups per person? That was the, uh, that was the, the, the World Cup the, one. The one I'm talking about. Yeah, it was a pocket wizard. Yeah, uh, pocket wizards, yeah. and it was what? It was how many? How many shots did you do per? I did three, uh, three looks. So three I did complete lights. Yeah, yeah, three complete light setups. And I was telling them about that. Yeah, that was the most technically the most one of the most impressive things I've seen on there. And you should have gotten like that. You should still be like you should be world famous for that. Well, thank you. Man. <laughs> that was so awesome. Yeah, no, I got real ambitious for that one. But uh, that's another thing why I tell people like don't listen to anyone and like, um, just just no matter how crazy something seems, just do it on there because it's like the before that shoot, I did two setups at once and I didn't do that by by uh, because I wanted to. I did that out of necessity because the editor, the director of photography from SI who hired me wanted it to look. A certain way yeah right he was just get a great seamless like the athlete nice and you know you know you know how to light well and uh as soon as he told me that like i was excited when i was told me i was gonna get the assignment but like he just i felt like i had a knife stuck in my heart when he told me he wanted to look a certain way because i remember sitting there and thinking that like um damn like yeah this is gonna be cool it's gonna be a tear shoot at si but i'm like like if i do what he tells me which he specifically right before hanging up the phone 
told me, um, I can still remember this because he was really great. He was like, um, Alexis, I loved you, you know, at the Adiana's workshop. I loved the work you did there, but more importantly, I loved you. And I want you to be our guy when we need stuff in the Bay Area. Uh, he goes, um, so do well on this assignment. And then uh, before hanging up, he goes, keep it simple, have fun, and don't fuck it up. <laughs> right? And I was like, whoa, when he said that, right? And then um, I just remember real, being really conflicted on that end because I was like, dude, if I just do what he tells me, right? then I know he'll be happy with me, right? I'll probably yeah. get hired again, right? I know everybody else will be thrilled for me, right? Uh, the athlete will get all the promotions, but I'm like, what about me, right? Like, I'm not going to be happy with that because it's not going to look anywhere how I want it to look. Um, and so I did extra homework on that one. And uh, I saw, like, on the Pocket Wizard of Multimax, um, the people did um, machine gun burst with, uh, with strobes. Yeah. Because the uh, Multimax is used, like, if you use multiple packs, you could just trigger them in succession, mm -hmm. right? So when I saw that, I was like, okay, I'm like, in theory, each of those packs that goes off doesn't have to do the same exact set look. They could do two completely different looks. Mm -hmm. I'm like, in theory, right? Yeah. So like I, I like, and then I did extra homework and figured it out and, and pulled off two looks at the same time. And then I was able to do that one and then they hired me for, um, uh, they ran the one look that I wanted. Yeah. And then when the SI one came out, um, sorry, no, SI, the, the, then I had the opportunity for the Men's World Cup um, I like to say I put my flaws directly into my work. That's what it looks like it does. Like, I just put my ADD directly into that one. I was like, I, I always try to get, like, multiple looks at once. And on that one, I'm like, I only have one minute. I'm like, this is the only chance I'm going to get. Like, I'm going to try to, like, yeah. do this, right? And that's why I tell people, like, just do something and don't tell people about it. Because if I would have asked anyone for advice on either of those shoots, they would have told me, listen to what the guy told you, hired you. Keep yeah, it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. On the World Cup, like, you only have one minute with each guy, Alexis. I've done those shoots like that. That's crazy. You're, you're in over your head. And blah, blah. So that's like, nah, dude. Like, like, that's why I didn't ask anyone for, and number two, I couldn't ask anyone for advice. Yeah. Because there was no tutorial on how to do two, multiple no, looks. you shot, you shot. I got a timeout. Yeah. I got to go to uh, Magma Boost right now, if you want to continue. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool, man. Oh, we could have given you out for me, like, like yeah, Pete Justin's gotta go. No, yeah, sorry. no, no, no. <laughs> Just I mean, we can say that. I'm leaving. Justin's no, no, fine. Justin yeah. is out of here. Do expo duties. What was it again? Have fun. Keep, keep it, it simple, simple. Have fun and don't fuck don't it fuck up. Don't fuck it up. Yeah, which is great advice. Like, sure. it's amazing advice, and I could see why he gave it. And and from all the stress that I went through, I could see why a lot of photographers now just like literally will shoot with like on camera flash look or just with one strobe. And it can be simple because there's so much stuff and so many X factors that like you don't know about. Yeah. The less you can worry about, the better. And if you're trying to do elaborate lighting setups like that, like it could it could take you out of your game. Sure. Uh, so that's why now after having gone through all that, if I see a cover, right, I never comment on it. Because uh, before, like I like to say, when I first started out, I, I had a, a no experience, but I guess what do you call it, a huge ego. Okay. And now I have a lot more experience, and I like to say I'm a lot more humble, uh, depending mm -hmm. on what you ask, right? Yeah. Um, and that's why I never comment on the on the photo cover now, because it's like like if you go online anywhere, like people will be like, this cover is horrible. I could do a better job. Blah blah blah. Like right, this and that. I just never because like you don't know the situation, you don't know what they have to go through, and you don't know all that stuff. So I just not I don't ever comment on not, not just on cover shoots on any shoot period. Yeah, I so there's like two things I would kind of want to comment on there. One is like I run a lot of like groups that that are constantly discussing lighting and everything and like one thing that we're always having an uphill battle with is like people giving unsolicited critique right yeah. of like other people's work and we have to like straight up ban it in the group and my reasoning is like you don't know the circumstances of that shoot because people will just come out with some off-the-wall suggestion where they're immediately saying like oh i would have done this instead 
you don't know if that was available. You don't know what the ambient light was like or the parties involved, if it's a bigger shoot with like a creative director, what they were looking for. Yeah. Like you just don't know the circumstances of every shoot to immediately be able to say why something should have been done differently. You know, and especially, and it's subjective, right? Yeah, that too. You know, so it could just be a taste thing. You know, some people are intentionally incorporating motion blur where somebody else is going to say, it's blurry. And, it, you know, so... A lot of times I like to say to people like that, if you have enough time to like tear someone on or argue on there, like you don't have enough um, stuff going in you or fighting, you're like, I have, enough, I have a hard enough time fighting for my own vision and for my own look that I don't really care what other people say. You sure. know what I mean? All that. Like, if you have enough time to like try to tell people like, oh, it should be done this way or that way. Like, why? Like, you know what I mean? It's just. Yeah. If you have that much time to focus on other people's work. Can it be more effectively yeah. put into your own? Yeah, I mean, I mean, as far as Katrina, you said you were unsolicited. I mean, unless someone asks for advice, sure. But then it's like, that's different. That's yeah. like conversational. We're actually trying to get better. You know, someone is opening the door for that, right? Yeah. And at that point, you can have the conversation of, well, what were the limitations, and identify if something could have been done differently, potentially better. So, yeah, it's. Uh, but man, there's just like so much of that online, and I, I share your sentiment, like, of don't read the comments. On my, on my channel where I'm asking people for their opinion or if they have questions about it, when I'm doing that type of thing, I'm open to reading the comments. But man, when I get shared on something, I just kind of put the blinders on because you're going to see like so much junk that you just don't need distracting you. Yeah. And a lot of times those people that comment don't have no work and don't, yeah. don't have any work. Up yeah. Or... It's like, where are you putting yourself out there to the world? Like, what are you showing to even, you know, have a... I don't want to ever, obviously everybody has a voice, but it's just like, where is this even coming from? You know, if, if you're not putting yourself out there. Another thing I want to talk about. Um, so how, how long was the period? About three years with weddings? No, a little bit more than that. I want to say four. probably like four hour and like four. four or five okay. Um, did you find, were you like big into lighting when you were doing yeah. weddings? Yeah. So did you find that that translated well, that that kind of trained you a little bit for the commercial work? I, th I, you know, I've always been a lighting nerd. So um, even when I shot weddings, I was shooting like, um, like, like the high school stuff that I shot. So, uh, but it, it, it's, what translates in, into it is just thinking on your feet because you mm -hmm. always got to do that. Um, and obviously you do that in the wedding. Yeah. But just figure out, like one of the things that I, I, I've always, like I guess take pride on it is you got to figure things out. Right, like before, like there were can haze and all that stuff. Like right, if I wanted like a like that smoke effect, like I have a shot and I kind of have a behind the scenes shot of it. Like um, I wanted to do that with the bride and groom, and like so I just grabbed all the smokers, right, to mm -hmm. like smoke behind them and throw smoke, and it came out and it worked well. Yeah, right, and that's like a workaround if you don't have like a can of haze and stuff yeah. like that. So just like what I find is is just like um, that like uh, thinking in your feet and being able to get things done mm -hmm. like the day of, um, because like that's. Something that can always translate. And then the biggest thing that's helped me out in general with everything is just knowing lighting real well and having a visual voice. Like, that's helped me out a lot with directing, like moving into video. Yeah. Because you could make everything look pretty solid with good lighting. Yeah, those skills can directly translate. You know light, you know the properties of light and the principles of it. It translates to video seamlessly, yeah. you know? And like I remember when I started on YouTube, like, I wasn't... I'd watch my videos and I'm like, oh, these don't have like the same, you know, like pizzazz that my photo work has at all. And I'm like, I'm just being lazy about the lighting. And then I actually took it a little bit more serious and now I love how it looks, you know? Yeah. So it's, uh, 
provided you have the time for it, you know, in, what, in whatever you're doing and, and want to put that effort, you know, you, you have those principles, they translate completely. Yeah. So. No, the big thing with time is, is like if it's important enough for you, you'll make time for it. Yes. You know what I mean? Because when I was all available light, um, and I used to buy that because one of the first teachers that I had in college that shot weddings used to be all natural light. Mm -hmm. And I bought into that, right? And another um, um, fellow student of mine, like knew lighting really well. And like he would shoot weddings too and use like flat, like uh, he would use, um, I forget which speed lights were really popular back then in 2006. Um, 2006, was that like a 585? No, one? no, no, no. It was like a, a, a like a manual flash that a you could Luma, buy. Oh, the Luma Pro? I no, or uh, Sunpack. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. The Sunpack was, a, was one, a big one. Yeah, they were, they were like like they were manual, but you could get them really cheap, and they had a lot they were of dirt cheap, and they had like full eighth. Yeah, half yeah. Quarter, so he would, that was he, it. He would use those and show me pictures, and I remember they were great. But I remember just telling myself like, well, well, I don't have time to set up a light like that. I don't have time to do that just because you know you're making excuses like I was talking sure. about earlier with the editing. Yeah. Um, and and it's like that with anything, man. It's like uh, and like like a lot of times for people, if anyone listens to this po like podcast. Like a lot of people think they need a tutorial or they need inspiration. Like generally, I know what I need personally. It's not that. Like if I need something, usually I just need a good, a good fucking kick in the ass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not what I someone not, 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 not like baby me all that. Like, cause like all that information is already out there. You could YouTube it. You could Google it. You know what I mean? And, um, sometimes you need someone to call you on your, on your, on your, on your, on your, on your bullshit that you're saying. Um, and then when, once you get that fed to you, like, like, what do you, like, you could real, you could, you know, if you're saying an excuse or not, like a perfect example of that. It's like when another, I hang around athletes all the time and I photograph this dude that, um, that does like, uh, like, like fitness competitions. Okay. Like he will get cut and super lean and he gets insane. And, uh, um, I got it. Um, I took my fitness in, uh, and, uh, my fitness and nutrition service out there, photograph Floyd. Cause he actually like inspired me in there because he was so lean and muscular. Yeah. But uh, and I'm around people like all the time, but they're usually like seem like they're seven feet tall, and you're like, oh, that's them because blah blah blah. Floyd was like my height, and I'm like, okay, like the fuck, if he could do it, like I'm just making excuses. Sure. So I I actually lean out and I lost thirty pounds, uh, but I needed to still lose another like fifteen yeah. to like lean out so you could see my abs. So I, I photographed another dude that does all those competitions. He's a really cool dude, right? Um, and I was talking to him about it because I was trying to figure out my, my nutrition plan and what I like eating. And then so I kind of kind of figured out something that was low calorie that I liked eating, uh, which was like broccoli, uh, broccoli, like rice and grilled chicken, mm -hmm. uh, like with sauce on there. Like and I like weighed it all and calculated it. Um, and then like I sent a picture to him. I, remember, I forgot what I was texting him about, like a shoot or something. And I was like, man, I was like, if I could eat this, like, you know what I mean? For three months straight, I'd reach my goal. Right. And he replied to me. He's like, why, why can't you why can't you eat that for like three straight months? And I was like, man, because I got to go to work. I got to go travel. I got to go this. He just replied. He goes, man, you're full of shit. He goes, you're not serious about your nutrition. He goes, it's like I travel all the time, too. And I do it, too. He goes, you just don't want to do it. Called you out. Nothing I could say about that because he's 100 percent right. Yeah. Like he has a full time job and he does these competitions. Right. Uh, they don't get paid a lot of money in the natural bodybuilding, mm -hmm. uh, but he works for a beer company, I think Budweiser, and uh, he travels all that stuff. And like he goes, I travel a lot. Works for a beer company, and he's a uh, that's yeah. funny. And uh, he leans out, he does all that stuff, but like uh, he goes, it's like he travels with his food and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, so like when he goes out, like right, he doesn't he doesn't eat out or eat like the garbage breakfast I ate this morning with Justin. Sure. Um, but like he just called me out on it, and then I'm like, I, there's nothing I could say, and like that's true. And then so like anyone that like you need to realistically tell yourself like, um, 
why you're not doing something, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of times you don't need a tutorial. You don't need a mentor. You know what I mean? A lot of people uh, think that think they need a mentor. I really think they want a companionship or they want like encouragement or they think they, they want a relationship, sure. right? Not 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 to actually do their thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they have to see a mentorship of like, oh, someone's going to guide me and blah, blah, blah. And that's like, no, nah, dude. It's kind like, of diverts, uh, like diverts pressure. Like I don't have to perform myself. I'll, I'll just... Pick whatever they tell me to do. Yeah, that, but that's also that's horrible. That's a huge limitation. Because look, if I had a mentor, uh, which I do have people that, that have helped me out, like Albello, a, a photographer, an amazing photographer in the East Coast, um, a sports photographer. Uh, I didn't ask him for advice in any of the side shoots. That was all on me. Because and thank God I didn't. Because I know if I would have gotten asked advice, 999 people out of a thousand would have told me, "Dude, don't do that. It's too complex." It's, big assignment just keep it simple and just do it mm-hmm. and I, you know and i did it so i didn't even listen to the guy who hired me you know to keep it simple right. and doing that right and so I, I think a lot of times you just got to figure it out on your own and, and like people are too quick to ask for a tutorial on something yeah and it's like don't try if, if there's a tutorial on something done already then like it's too late already like like someone already packaged it sold it and it's like done so much that it's like you know by the time i like to say by the time it's up on stage at the WPPI or any conference like, and someone's telling you, like, oh, you could do this, you know, my whatever, blah, 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 for $300 and do this. It's done already. Like, like, like it's not unique work. You know what I mean? Sure, it's, it's like played out. Yeah, it's pretty lost much. Lost its luster already. In my opinion, I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all that. So yeah, it's I like, get it. And, like, I mean, obviously, it depends on the world you want to operate in because there's completely different. Oftentimes, photographers are, there, there's two different focuses. There's one, which is, like, delivering to the client. Yeah. And then there's the other of, like, what do you... What are you going after for yourself? How are you trying to elevate yourself? And they're completely different pursuits. Because honestly, a majority of us, if we wanted to, could stay in the wedding market, you know, make late six figures, and and just kind of repeat the same results and gently follow the trends and barely transform over a thirty-year decade. Any you know anybody could do that. But uh, if you're in the pursuit of like elevating your work constantly and even changing what you do, like you're doing, going into directing and everything, not being scared to kind of change your focus a little bit. Then um, in that pursuit, I think you have to be uh, much more of a leader, much more of a trailblazer. Yeah, it's a it's two two the two extremes I think are like where neither of them last. Mm-hmm. I think like the extreme of like, uh, which is so funny because I, I I did portfolio reviews at that photography dance conference, and like I like one of the guys whose work I reviewed, he let off by saying, "I've been shooting longer than you've been alive," and blah blah and that right, which is fine. But he was just telling me how unhappy he was. Right. And uh, with his work and he had a really successful business. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, you got to do personal work uh, like or shoot for yourself, because if you just keep doing rinsing and repeating the same stuff, that's pretty much like working in a cubicle in a day job. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, 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 uh, and doing that. And then um, so like if you shoot just for money, you're going to that's how you get burned out, in my opinion. Right. If you just take the extreme and you're only shooting for money, 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 that's it. And it doesn't fulfill you you could get burned out easy. Mm-hmm. So that's that extreme, I think. And the other extreme is, is like, you could go all full-out artist and say, I'm just going to shoot on my own. I don't care what's going on. That's why I'm going to give you a fulfillment. That's great. That's going to motivate you, right? And and I've done that. But the problem with that is, like... The world ignores you. It, it can't, right? Yeah. Uh, and you could make no money and mm-hmm. you can't sustain that. Like, yeah. neither of them are sustainable at both extremes. Sure. So you got to try to find... Find your balance in the, in the middle. middle. Or balance, yeah. I mean, the ultimate goal, in theory, I guess, would be if you go to the extreme... Side of like, oh, I'm gonna be like artist, do what I want. I don't care what people think. And, and if that resonates and people will pay you for it, then then that's yeah. great. You know what I mean? That that's very dangerous because it's uh, you know it's who find who sees you like you need an audience. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those type of things can be geo-specific. They can be you know, market-specific and uh, trend-specific on, on whether you're going to take off or not. You know, yeah. on, like whether your vision aligns with what everybody else wants to see. So it's a it's a dangerous game. But I think what you're saying, doing personal work, at least playing that field in some regard in, in your career, uh, is going to lead to a lot more fulfillment. Yeah, that's the thing. I think you got to tell yourself it's the biggest arbiter of success. And for me, I like to say it's always expressing yourself sincerely without compromise. Because it's like uh, for every shoot that I do, like uh, or that where you start to get the business in, like it's always like compromise. It's like, okay, like um, it's if it's a commercial shoot, right, and it has to sell something, it has to serve a function. Yep. Like a, I like to say, right, like a toilet. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. So like it has to serve a function to a certain extent. And anything extra, you're overdoing it or it, it, the design could like over overdoing it, right? Yeah. But when it's purely creative like art it doesn't need to serve any function just to fulfill yourself so anything goes creatively yeah and you can do it great like so like uh for personal work like like when i shoot the ballerinas i it's personal and i can light them however i want i could silhouette them and, and do all that if i was shooting for a campaign and a designer gave me like a twenty thousand dollar dress they'd be pretty pissed off if i silhouetted them and you couldn't see the yeah, fabric can't right? See the dress, right so uh, that's a perfect example there because that's where like if it's commercial to a certain extent, like that limits your creativity in a little bit, right? Because yeah. you can't fully silhouette or you can't. Um, uh, I was doing the test shoot, the basketball one with a Jordan brand. And uh, I like to go really blue and extreme with, like with my colors. Mm-hmm. And then I was shooting on that on that, on that that shoot, which was pretty, uh, I was getting pretty creative on it. But I should tell her and the stylist was looking at it and she was like, um, like uh, she just told me like the, the clothes is not represented on there how it looks. And, and like I took that one to heart because I was like, she's right. Yeah. This is like we're sending this to Jordan to Nike, right? And you want to, even though you want it to be creative, you want them to like, you, you don't want to false advertise, right? You want it so to be genuine, and authentic so that, to the that's, brand. You got to put those limits on yourself, and that's when the, I guess having that balance under that, you got to know that you're 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 gonna be creative, but you're doing it right. And it, you could, I always say, do that, but always push it too far and shoot that shot that's like that. And then if you if you really love it. Show it to them like that because you never know. They might like it. You know yeah. what I mean? And doing I, that. I operate under the the safe shot guys as much as possible. I try to immediately go after what the creative director yeah. is looking for, get that in the bank, and then say, I think this could be yeah. a, you know, a better step for it, and then start trying to bend your leeway there. And that's been really fruitful for me, um, at least with like my relationships with creative directors, because um, now we have a point where they've actually utilized my, my later creative decisions more often than the safe shot that we got in the beginning. Yep. So now they're like, they give me much more leeway to, a, you know, go after those creative uh, liberties. Yeah, that, that's what you want, man. And I'm probably, probably good at doing that, man, because your YouTube channel, you explain stuff really well, so. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that. I learned all the stuff from, from all the, the reviews you do between, like, Godox and Profoto and all yeah. that stuff, so. Yeah, all the solid. all the comparisons. You're using Profoto products yeah. primarily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you? What are you? Are you using the B10s nowadays? I I started using the B10 pluses. Yeah. They're they're, they're pretty awesome. They're small because of. Uh, I I really like where that light's positioned. I um what I like about it it has its pros and it has its cons definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pros are that that's it's, I could fit four of them in my Peak Design uh, backpack. That's awesome. Uh, whereas the B1s I could only fit barely two. Yeah, sure. And this one I could—that's insane. I could yeah. fit four in my one little peak design backpack. Uh, they're really you, small. Four of the pluses. Yeah, four wow. B10 pluses fit on that backpack. Yeah, that's uh, nuts. Which is insane. Um, 
And uh, so if you need portability, you need a lot of lights or, or, or a lot of power, like that's cool. Like, right. You can't do that with the, with the B1s in theory, I guess you could, but you'll need a, you know, much bigger backpack. Sure. Um, and it's just a clean design. The dual, uh, the bicolor monolight's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not super bright. It's 12, 2,500 lumens. Yeah. But like, you know, in a bind, if you need to do video, like it'll help you out if it's completely dark. Yeah, it's nice to have the color control for sure. Yeah, and then um, the uh, that's what's great about it. And then the batteries are small, so you can have a lot of them. The downside is that the batteries are small, yeah. so you need a lot of them. But you know what? I liked their decision with that. A lot of people complained about like, oh, you only get, what is it? It's a very like full power shots. You don't get many. It's like B-tempos. 200 or something like that. Yeah, and, and a lot of people complained about that. And I'm like, but you've got the same battery between, the between devices. So yeah. if you need more... Buy more, right? But yeah. you, you, you're still not compromising in the size. You don't have this huge battery weighing it down up on the stand, and it's yeah. compatible across devices. So, that like, too. I loved it. I, I thought the B10 came out, and I was like, that's pretty cool. And then they did the B10 Plus, and I was like, ace decision. I thought yeah. it was really good. That, uh, it is. The, um, the other con about it is that I'm not a huge fan of the... Um, I can see why they do it, but I'm not a huge fan of the recessed uh, flash tube. Preaching in the choir. Uh, at all. Because um, it's like, I, I just think... Um, you're pre-modifying the light for me and kind of making the decision for me. Yep. Um, and I'm not too really happy about that. But um, I mean, like, like I said, it's a, it's a compromise, right? Sure. So you, you take that, uh, you take that small portability, that a uh, big pack for the punch, and you compromise that. The other compromise I do when I shoot with the D- B10 Plus is, uh, which is not my new one these days because it's digital. Mm-hmm. Right? Instead of shooting the ISO 100, I shoot like a 200 or 400, so the power could be like an eight and a half. And you could get like 800 pops. Yeah. Because if I had it up 500, right? Sure. Then you only get 200. And like, so if you have something boomed up, it's just a pain to switch it. Yes. Uh, so I, like, I have my ISO a little bit higher, which is pretty neg- negligible. Yeah. Because it's pretty clean light. Yeah. Um, these days, I don't think most bodies, 400, you're still safe. Like, yeah. 400 yeah. is like the new one. And like you said, you're doing, you're lighting things to your vision. You don't have to push it too far after the fact. And that's really what. The only thing you're giving up at ISO 400 is like a little bit of dynamic range. If if that, but yeah. like if you're controlling all the lighting, you don't need the it dynamic range. Right. Yeah, and, and and that's one. And then the other thing that I um, that I that I, that's the con in my opinion is because uh, everybody, I think you've done excessive tests on this, but uh, um, it's uh, like when everybody's saying that the when the B10 came out originally and they were measuring it, they were saying it was almost as strong as the B1. Yeah, and the B1 is 500 watt seconds, and that was 250 watt seconds, right? Yeah. And I think the difference is only a third of a stop or something like that. It, between was, them. it was minor, yeah. And um, and people were like, oh, what did Profoto do? It's magic, blah, blah. It's not. It's the beam spread. The it's beam spread on the B. more concentrated. Uh, it's uh, 67 degrees, I think. Uh-huh. And on the on the B1s, it's 77 degrees. Yeah. And people don't realize what, That's like, concentrating huge. at 10%. The same thing with uh, Aperture's most recent products, the one uh, 300 Mark One versus the 300D Mark Two. Uh-huh. They narrowed the beam angle from 60 degrees to 55 degrees with oh, so the reflector. That's how you get the 20 percent more. So yeah, yeah they ju- are, you know, boosts the light. And yeah, I mean, pe- like people, your center output rating is higher, but it came at the cost of concentrating the light to a more narrow beam. And yeah, pe- most people aren't going to look at those details, you know. And that does affect the lighting to a certain extent. Um, yeah, it's hotter in the center. Uh, it is, and if you have a soft box in there, usually. You know, um, you know, if it's a protruding uh, light bulb, it evens it out lighter. Like, yes. The biggest one with that is the beauty dish. Yep. A beauty dish looks not that good with the recessed. With the recessed bulb. Yeah, because yeah, the beauty dish isn't designed that way. Yeah, it's not. And um, 
but yeah, that's uh, I have those. I have the B ones, but then I've also used the Pro Ten A packs. Mm-hmm. Those are amazing. Um, those the, are an omnidirectional bulb, right? Yeah, yeah. Those, I mean, those were those were no compromise there. Fourteen thousand dollar packs, yeah. and then the heads three thousand. So um, I've, I love using those. Um, I rent those when I um, when I use them because mm-hmm. uh, that's another thing that I that just baffles me all the time when when I speak or, or I do takeovers for like Profoto. The number one question is people want to know, oh, what do you own? What do you own? What do you own? It's like, it's like I use what I need. Yeah, I, I rent a lot of stuff. It's like you're not a rental house. Like don't acquire, don't you know? Think you gotta acquire a bunch of gear and you don't have to own it all. You. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to Justin about like the camera insurance. He was telling me how much he's got a good deal, but I was like, how much uh, insurance do you have for rental gear? Because that's what I care about. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's yeah. like because you could rent those power packs for like, I think it's a hundred ninety dollars to one hundred and twenty for a weekend. Mm-hmm. Right, that's a that's a seventeen thousand dollar pack. The pack's fourteen k, the head's three k. You could rent it for a hundred bucks. Yeah, probably most of your random policies don't cover that much rental gear. Uh, oh yeah, that, I mean that too. But uh, but like if, if you do have like some people like uh, only have uh, under insurance, they only have renter 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 gear on it. Yeah, because all they do is renter stuff, which sure. is uh, which is smart. You know what I mean? You do that, and uh, like for example, that shoe at SI, I rented twenty lights. Uh, the first one on there, it was a hundred and sixty thousand dollars worth of gear that I had. Yeah, and I know it because I have to insure it. Yeah. Um, to rent all that for that shoot was only twenty five hundred dollars. That's nothing. Yeah, that's a drop in the hat. Yeah, I mean, and the client was uh, uh was paying for that. I sure. Pay for it. Um, yeah. But like that, and that's an extreme example. Like right, the, the uh, like the another time that I'm gonna need twenty lights, right? Uh, at the one time, you know what I mean? Yeah, that doesn't that. happen often. Yeah, that you're trying to do I mean, three lighting could, setups. But even if you did need twenty lights, right? For twenty five hundred bucks, renting Pro Photo, like the best lights, one of the best lights that are out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I probably could have used Braun too if I wanted to, but like I, I have uh, Pro Photo there, and uh, um, that's not that expensive. It's like, and and like when I do personal shoots, I'll invest that in some of the shoots, right? And a lot of people are like, "Oh, dude, I don't have the money to do that." Blah blah blah. You're lucky. Well, I'm like, let me see your phone. Oh, cool, but you could buy a fucking iPhone 11, right? Or yep. buy a new one every year. Yep. That costs twelve hundred dollars. You're dropping that, right? And it becomes a paperweight in like you know five years, mm-hmm. right? And you know you're wearing that, and then you got Yeezys on and all that stuff. It's like you know what I mean. It's like I still have a Pixel One, right? I'm not wearing Yeezys, right? Yeah. My Crest Two Thousand and Three Mitsubishi Galant, right? I'm not flexing on that. I invest yeah. all that money in, in my in put it where myself. it counts, where yeah. it's gonna. Go further. Yeah, I'm, I'm very frugal as well, especially in like a personal life. Um, you know, like my home. Don't need to put a lot of money. I bought a very affordable home back when the economy plummeted nice. and everything and had no, no need to move. We could. We could up our standard of living. You know, but why? That puts more pressure on me. That means I have to make more money. Work hard, you know, and not that I'm adverse to like working harder, but like why put that pressure on myself? that i could just stay frugal and and have an easier life as long as you're happy and fulfilled you're winning yeah i mean yeah i don't i don't i don't seek the fulfillment in in the you know the things of life right yeah that's a a really important like mind shift and probably one that a lot of artists have to take though yeah i i think so yeah well my main thing with me is like i i i want to produce a lot of shoots a lot of personal projects which uh if they're personal like they cost money instead of make money. Yeah. And you hope they end up not making money. So um, um, I have like a lot of personal projects that I'm like, dang, I just got to figure out how to get a sponsorship or finance or something like that and, and, and try to get it done. Well, one of the cool things that I think is emerging now, though, is the, the ability to monetize these personal projects, you know, whether it be through BTS content 
or um, instructional content on a later thing, like I, I'm starting to really dive into that because I can actually start throwing money at a shoot, at a personal shoot, yeah. because it does have like this trickle down effect later. So, and, and that really, you know, that's very new to be able to invest in those personal projects like that. So it's nice to have that luxury. Have you been working? Have you been working on systems like that? To- yeah, well, the behind the scenes, I just need to be more, more consistent than I'm doing it. But like yeah. the behind the scenes that I did for the SI shoot on there got me a shoot with a cosmetic doctor. Yeah. It's just why I'm explaining the light. And, and for personal work, like it just, I think just, just because people get to see your thought process and who you are. Yeah. Well, it also yeah. opens you up to this other audience of photographers, right? Like more photographers are going to start following you because yeah. you're putting uh, informative and actionable content out there that they can use to better themselves. And, you know, while that doesn't necessarily give you clients, it gives you traffic that can lead to clients. Well, that's the biggest thing, though. Like, I think the thing that's huge now is just having an audience, mm-hmm. a built-in audience. It's a it's a 21st century uh, currency. Well, sure. I, I think it's always been a currency. Yeah. Um, in general, it's just shifted that now you don't need to be, that the TV doesn't control it. Yes. Now you can control it on your own with it's social democratized. media. democratized. Um, literally, um, I was talking to Justin about this for breakfast because um, I watch a lot of stuff because I, I want to direct in the, um, um, there's a YouTube channel Film Courage, that's what it's called. I don't remember the name. They have a lot of amazing, useful interviews with people. And uh, um, they had a, a, one of their videos is like, what does Hollywood look for in a script? And uh, they have a lot of interviews with like producers and script writers and all that. And uh, one of the things he said, um, which is 100% true and it makes sense, uh, he goes, the gist of the conversation or the what the um, what Hollywood wants in the script is they don't really care if it's a good story or not. What they're mainly looking for is a built-in audience already. And like for example, like that he gave, which is perfect, like all the comic book movies, right? They have their audience. They already have a built-in audience. So from a business standpoint, right, it, it's a lot more safe to throw 150 to 200 million for something that already has a built-in audience and following than to say if you come up with the most original script that's the most amazing movie ever, but nobody in their mother knows who they are. Yeah, and you have to they then you have to throw money in hoping that's gonna strike and resonate with people and find an audience and find this audience, right? Because if it hasn't found this audience yet, that's a gigantic gamble. Yeah, it's a big risk. If it, if it already has an audience, right? That's mainly what they're looking for. So we were talking about like that, like that. So like, like uh, that's for like 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 franchises like that. Like you know what I mean? That's why. Uh, reboots and like Star Wars, shows like Jurassic that. Park, yeah. everything Disney. They already they already have an audience, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and, and they so it's less of a risk and they, they know it and that's what they want. So that's kind of in a sense of like um and and, and, I, and people that hate on that too or they hate on influencers, it's like like look at it from a business perspective. Like right if I'm trying to make a photo product, right? And I'm trying to get that product in front of as many photographers as possible for the least amount of money. Right, who who are you gonna go after? You're gonna go after a really photographer that knows their craft, right? Does amazing work, but has nobody knows who they are, has no built-in audience, has no social media presence or nothing, right? Or would you rather go after somebody that has, let's just say, a million subscribers, right? It's active on Instagram, YouTube, and everything, and they have like an engaged audience, right? Like it's, it's it's like a no-brainer. Who, who from a business perspective, a it's business a no-brainer, right? Sure. From a uh, you know, you could from a moral perspective, from a blah 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 perspective, you could be like, well, that person might give you know misinformation or blah blah, blah and that. But like from reaching a bigger audience like that, right? Yeah. That's it's cut and dry. It's important, you know what I mean. So like that's one thing that I'm 
I that I try to work on. I try to post daily on Instagram, and and the next thing I need to work on is YouTube. Like, I think I messaged you. Man. I'm trying to get my yeah, YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And I always like, man, I'm like, dude, I just need to take it like a like a serious like show and like 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 a business and like make a video every Monday or something like or, or release yeah. a video every Monday, as you say. Yeah. Because if you release it on Monday, you probably worked on it the week before or on the weekend. Sure, you know? develop some consistency or whatever. As you say this, like. We literally just shot two videos and he's editing them right now so that we can post afterwards. Like so it's a it's a hustle that you have to like adapt for and like build into your life. But um once you once you start developing a consistent it's like anything, you know, you, you start training in the reps and it becomes a natural part of your day. Yeah, that's what I've been trying to do. Minimize mm-hmm. like the editing and the retouching and trying to get as much as that's why I said like don't even shoot log, don't even shoot raw. Yeah. For like YouTube videos. Yeah. Just like oh, we, it all we in. tried that. We we tried exploring like uh the that was it log? C log or whatever. S log yeah, I think we tried like a S log workflow with like a built-in LUT. We bought the monitor for it so we could see the LUT finalized live and everything. And like we did all this work to get it just to the level of like what it looked like standard out of profile, but it has more dynamic range. And we're like, why the hell are we doing this? Like yeah. for YouTube, for the VP9, whatever the, you know, compression algorithm is, it's like, why are we doing this? Like, let's just shoot standard, cut it up, do a little LUT adjustment on it and, and put it out there. Like, because at the end of the day, like, are people coming for how much dynamic range is in my footage? No, they're coming for the information, right? I could, half my videos could practically be a podcast and have the same, you know, deliver the same purpose. So, um, yeah, I think we, consistency is the most important thing. Yeah, so you sometimes just got to get out of your own way and like don't get fascinated by the tech and the capabilities of things, and like you said, just get the work done. Yeah, the um, but like let's say building an audience is the biggest thing ever. And yeah, when you find one, and I mean you have a pretty good following on it. Like I know of you because of your YouTube channel. Yeah, because when I heard of Godox, I looked them up, and um, because everyone's talking about it, like you show up right away. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm very synonymous with that with that brand now, and. Uh, I mean, it's cool because it was actually something that I was like very motivated to like, you know, put content out. I was like very shocked at where they were positioned in the market and everything and how they compare to other brands. So like, I'm very happy about that. But it's like interesting because um, I think a lot of people would like almost consider me like a Godox ambassador, you know, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm brand agnostic. Like if something comes out that does better for me, I will switch in an instant. Like if it, if it serves a utility that I didn't have access to before and can actually change and elevate my work, I'm gone in a second, you know? So, uh, but right now... That's smart. Yeah, yeah. Like I was tell people, you got to be loyal to your vision and your business. Yeah. Not a, unless the brand's paying you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I have a very hard time envisioning me ever signing some type of ambassador contract for a like a well, camera model or... Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you said ambassador because I was going to say ambassador is different because a lot of people like, oh, I'm sponsored by the sponsorship. Well, like... Like, if any company, or if you're listening out there, wants wants to sponsor me, like like they sponsor an athlete, right, and just write me a check for 100k, yeah, I would use your, <laughs> your yeah, gear, uh, yeah, right? I at that it. point, because they're they're paying your bill, and that's cool, right? And yeah. then like, I know if you know what you're doing, you could get similar results with any almost any gear these days. Very true. If you're yeah. doing, and you just have to put up with whatever like nuances that like system has or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, the problem with me isn't so much like I. I equally feel confident that I could pretty much use anything and produce the same results. Um, the problem with me would be ever saying that like something is the best, right? 
No, yeah, see, I never, I never say that. Really. Yeah. I, oh, well, maybe I said the oh, one of the best lighting, but like sure. the top. I should say the top or, or the height. Yeah. Lighting, but I. Um, but I just think there's and, and I, there's also some like restrictions in ambassadorships and and such that like you can't compare to this. You can't be seen holding this, uh, and like I don't like all of that stuff. Yeah. I want the sure. I want the open market in front of me, you know, because I want to I want to at the end of the day when I when I want to be I want to be like the geek that. Free flow that's through the market. It. That's the politics of yeah. it, man, which is uh, that's why I'm happy that Bay Photo is one of my main sponsors because they're yeah. a lab. Yeah. And then uh, I could talk about any camera because I like to shoot with uh, Canon, I shoot with Leica, I shoot with Hasselblad uh, when I do shoots. So I shoot, and, <laughs> shoot and, and that's like similar to my boat. I don't, I really like working with Adorama because they sell everything, right? And you've got a sponsor that or work with someone who, you know, does printing, but it doesn't limit your like creative decision making. And like, so I, Finding those type of sponsors and relationships is important to me if I'm going to consider it at all. Yeah, I have relationships with cameras, but like it's nothing like official, like sure. all that. Like that's just uh, those relationships, which is uh, which is great. I, I love it, and, and and it helps you out a lot. And those relationships do help yeah. when you're doing personal work and stuff like that. But it's like, um, yeah, no, I have a relationship with like another company, um, and a lot of the stuff that they market themselves with, and that the other ambassadors say. Um, I'm trying to tread a little tightly here because I was like, I don't I understand know what I'm talking completely. About. I can like, cut out anything if we need to. But what they say is, it's like, oh, if you got this, you don't need this anymore because we could blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, you're comparing apples to oranges. That does not, like the comparison I say, like, like if you came out with a, with a amazing, like, sports car right mm -hmm. and you were like this is the only car you need you'll never well, need no. an suv what if, anymore what if yeah. yeah if you need what if you need to go off road yeah right it, right. it's apples to oranges you can't say this car is the best car of all right? exactly and if it is a army knife of all cars it'll do a lot of stuff solid, but nothing really well you know sure. more likely you know what i mean yeah that's what has specialties and like um that's that's one slight like a uh, conflict that i have with one of the companies i have a relationship with mm -hmm. uh, it's not a conflict i just don't say that yeah. And I know all the other ambassadors do. Yeah, and there's like, their tagline. And I'm like, I'm not going to say that because it's like, I, number one, I don't, I don't believe it. And I could see why they're saying it because it's actually a really smart tactic to, um, to market their product. But I, I just think it's like, because I know that topic really well, like, I just know it's, like, it's not true. But like, it's not authentic. Some, yeah, it's not. But somebody that doesn't know better and that's just learning could buy it like that in a heartbeat. And I hate that. I hate anything yeah. that is used to game over impressionable photographers. I hate, I hate, like, when I see ambassadors using language for that type of thing, people using buzzwords, brands marketing specifically like that. That is the dark horse of our industry in my book. Yeah, and uh, let me share the worst advice I've ever heard photographers say on stage that I hate, mm -hmm. uh, um, that, that I just fucking awful. Like, uh, uh, I mean, I've heard to say this so, and I literally just saw uh, an ad about this, which is just like I wanted to screenshot it and repost it. But I'm just so against like giving attention to people who are like, yeah. like just give out wrong information, and, and that's um, oh, if you just do good work, everything else will take care of itself. Nope. And then the other thing is like I spent zero dollars on marketing and zero dollars on advertising, um, and, and that's all like just like could be true, whatever, good for you, but like that's horrible advice. It's a horrible precedent to put out as if. That can work for everyone. Yeah, and um, that never worked for me for weddings because I didn't have rich friends. And if I wanted to do hiring weddings, it's like you know you gotta break you gotta out market of that. yourself yeah. out of that yeah. sphere. Yeah, but like marketing, it's like the the ad that I saw that just like got under my skin about that, and I saw it like yesterday. Is this photographer um, 
I don't even remember the name, so I can't even call them out. But I, I, I almost screenshot it and circled them out. They were selling. Um, somebody right off the bat might might, might know what it is because when I describe it, they were selling uh, a guide on like poses that could make you a bunch of money that made them a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. And in the ad itself, they said, I grew my business to six figures with zero dollars of advertising. And I'm like, really? What the fuck are you doing now? Advertising. Yeah. You're yeah. literally hitting me with a Facebook ad on an Instagram ad. Yep. Telling me you're, you're 30. It was, I think $40 like PDF booklet or whatever mm -hmm. on how to make a six figure income with those magic techniques, uh, posing techniques with zero marketing. But yet you have to, market yourself and you know to advertise it. it yeah to get to get people to sell that program right yeah that in itself tells you what they're saying is probably bullshit there's a yeah there needs to be some type of verification for these like get six figures like this because people do it like once maybe if at all no there's a guy uh named mike, mike winnett uh-huh who uh he's uh, in europe and uh, he's not in the photography business at all, but he's he, he was an entrepreneur that sold his business for like a few million. Uh huh. And uh, it's so funny because I think um, one of the guys that uh, he's talking about is uh, you got Mike? Yeah. Is uh, Greg Cardone? Okay. I think he's here doing a conference. Okay. You see those ten X hats? Uh, yes. Here? Yes. So like this guy like sold his company. So one of the things that he's doing is uh, he's taking all the courses from like. Um, uh, Ty Lopez, Greg Cardone, and all like these gurus that tell you how to get rich on there, and a lot of them are frauds, dude. Like yeah. he's like, I'm taking it to see like, and, and I'm actually I'm I'm in, he goes I'm in a unique position where I don't need the money, so he was like I I have enough money to like take these courses, run the course what they say, and see if it works or not. Wow. Uh, and he's exposing a lot, a lot of them. Um, you doing this on like YouTube or something? Yeah, yeah. Like when he has a YouTube channel, okay, dude. I'm gonna check it out. It's all awesome stuff. I, I love that stuff. I, I love like. Especially like in the finance field, like the the whole like the idea of like monetizing the art of making money is like so funny to me. Because those people that sell those programs get rich. Oh, for and sure. Not the actual people. It's like a Ponzi scheme. Um, yeah. It's like a. Um, and then one of the guys that he kind of calls out is Gary Vanderchuk because Gary Vee's he like he's got a fanboy like like you know following mm, all those cult people. following. Yeah, and he has that interview where he talks about uh, Gary Vee because one of the things he he says that he's exposing is these um seminars they do where Gary speaks. So they'll headline, they'll pay Gary Vee like 100K to come speak and then Greg Cardone too. But they don't say, it's like a two-day conference. They don't say which day they're speaking or what time. Okay. And you have to go, so they'll give you a schedule for like eight hours. And um, they will usually have one of them, Greg Cardone and Gary Vee at the end. And in between those like other eight hours they listen to are a bunch of other people that just like do hard sells, hard sell, hard sells that are nobody, right? Yeah. And, and they rip all those people off. And then they use Gary Vee uh, and Greg Cardone, popular people, to draw like a big audience. Just draw the people, right? Jeez. And uh, he was trying to tell Gary Vee that, and then uh, uh, so Gary Vee fans didn't want to listen. And like, Max says it along this line. It's like I think his ego is so big that he didn't realize what I'm saying because when he brought that attention up to Gary Vee, Gary was like, "Oh, I could put you in touch with my guy at Netflix because he was trying to do um, a series of like the entrepreneurs, yeah, the entrepreneurs." And uh, Gary's response was like, "Well, I bring so much value that I make it worth it for them to come." Was basically kind of his response. He just missed it completely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, what Mike was trying to tell him is like, "Hey, dude, they're using you and your name to do this whole thing to rip people to rip off." To rip people off, yeah. All right, and then uh, Gary's is kind of overall response. So I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but it's like response was like, "Well, what I say it's true, and it makes it worth blah blah." And I enlighten people, and I'm like, "Damn, dude!" But like, 
like you're taking you don't realize what you're taking your 100k whatever dollar right to like so but like in the meantime like because like to some of those people pull really shady tactics dude like um on hard selling and doing this and that and like uh they'll people all buy it on their credit card and all this and that and like um it's um it's horrible and like and sorry like photographers do that too and i've yeah. seen that uh you gotta be careful yeah we're here at the, the expo and and you gotta use your common sense to to explore it and just try to the best way to do it is to just whenever you're you're watching somebody up on stage, think about what they're getting out of it, right? Like like think about why they're in the position that they are, what they might be benefiting from it, and kind of use that to guide the uh, you know the authenticity of. Yeah, I like to think critically, and then also think uh, think critically and think common sense too, because it's like um, a lot a lot of times it's just like then it is it is a business, mm-hmm. and if you see a speaker and they have a certain sponsor right that could limit what you're going to say yep absolutely and and rightfully so because mm-hmm. you're not going to bite the hand of feature with that relationship yep to like try to be a hero and savior or whatever you know what i mean yeah uh i like to say think think critically and um i i usually don't take people's word uh word for anything like if it's creatively i like to test it out and see if i could make it work you know yeah. what i mean and then i have to fill out on my own but um yeah think uh think critically and, and all that stuff because it's like um it's it's yeah it's as i say it's bad uh or, or there's a lot of misinformation out there too mm-hmm. like a lot of people don't know what they're talking about end up speaking like someone could end up speaking not because they're like i used to have this horrible misconception that someone's speaking it's because oh, they're there because they're really good at what they do yeah they're so good like they had to speak so a lot of times a lot of people speak because they they know how to network and connect with the right people they're connecting with the right people or they move product you know they what they say is engaging and tends to create a lot of motion, which brands love. You know, it could go, it could go either way. There's a lot of things. So, people out there, keep your guard up. We got to get moving, don't we? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, we got to get going. But uh, where can people find you? Find uh, everything. It's my name. So my Instagram's Alexis Grisma. That's uh, A L E X I S. Oh, uh, probably be in the show notes. And the last name is C U A R E Z M A. And then uh, check out my YouTube channel. Um, I promise I'll stop neglecting it. So (laughs) there we go. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Anytime. Thank you for having me.